Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. For each interview, I prepare by reading the articles our advocate has written. With Jeffrey, that preparation was easy. I'd been enjoying his articles for over a year. I was thrilled to get a chance to talk to him for this podcast, and I was even more of a fan after we spoke. Jeffrey was open, honest, and vulnerable in this interview, which we recorded on September 25th, 2018. At the time, he was finishing a treatment regimen through a clinical trial that had been shrinking the tumors in his body, although the side effects had been brutal. It came as a shock to all of us in the Health Union family when we heard that he had passed on October 21st, 2018. It is with great honor that I share this interview with Jeffrey Pullman, advocate and writer for lungcancer.net. I'm thrilled to talk to you because I've been reading your articles for a while, and I really love the way you write. And Thank you. So many times you make me laugh out loud. You bring in humor in really serious content. Well, that's, um, that's always been one of my goals. I think it's... Um, I think it's important to uh, to bring humor in whenever possible uh, because it helps to normalize conversation. I think humor is is one of the ways that you can break down barriers for things that are that are difficult to talk about and help to normalize uh, the conversation around them. and it, it helps to open up uh, the door to to discuss things that would otherwise be too difficult. It's a, it is definitely a balancing act, and I, I am very sensitive to people's feelings uh, on these subjects, obviously. Um, but, um, but I do think humor is important, and, and it's easy to lose, uh, lose your sense of humor when you're dealing with these conditions as well, which I, I, struggle, uh, I struggle with because I, I, I personally find that humor helps me get through difficult times. And, uh, and without it, I, I don't know where I would be some days, uh, quite honestly. This morning, uh, just as an example, um, I was getting ready in the kitchen uh, with my, my family and making breakfast, trying to get my daughter uh, off to school. And, and um, she inadvertently backed up into me and stepped on my, on my foot. And I have... Uh, and one of the one of the things that I'm dealing with uh, right now with my treatment is that I have this full over uh, body rash, uh, an acneform rash that's literally head to toe, and 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 it, it's had a flare up a couple days ago, and it's sort of the worst it's ever been, and so I'm incredibly uncomfortable. I'm in a great deal of pain um, when I'm standing and walking, uh, and. And it's itchy and, and everything. But on top of that, the, the fingernails and toenails uh, have a tendency to get infected. Hmm. And so my right, my right big toe um, has had a nasty infection for days. And, uh, I mean, it's really gross. And it's sort of sore as a result of that. So my daughter backs up into me and steps on my foot, hmm. right on my big toe. And I kind of, you know, stifle the yelp. And, uh, and I said, you know, oh, ouch, she just stepped on my foot. And <clears throat> thinking that, you know, she'd move forward. 
and I wasn't, you know, upset or anything. I just had a little bit of a little bit of pain there. And so when she moved to get out of the way, uh, she actually stepped backwards and stepped on it again, oh, a little yeah. harder. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, I started to laugh. I because I immediately was like, you know, so many things are easy to get upset about. <laughs> <laughs> But the irony of that happening right then and there was just a, a little much. And I just, I just thought it was super funny. Oh and, and that helped. I'm glad I saw the humor in it at the time because there are plenty of times when things happen I don't see the humor in them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, was, uh, that, that helped me to get over that pretty quickly and move along. Jeffrey was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer at the age of 46. Stage 4 means the cancer has spread from the lungs to other parts of the body. In Jeffrey's case, it had spread to his hip. Because I had no actionable mutations that could be discovered at that time. I just went on to straight chemo at that point. And uh, I was lucky enough that the chemo uh, kept things pretty steady for a couple of years. Um, I was on Olympta for two and a half years, a little more than that actually, 40 rounds. Um, and I had normalized, you know, my body had gotten used to it for the most part. I, I had a routine. I always knew when I was going to be feeling better, when I was going to be feeling worse. It didn't slow me down too much. I wasn't able to work. Um, I haven't had full-time, uh, employment sadly since, um, uh, since I got sick in the first place, but I've continued writing. Um, and I've, uh, continued trying to uh, be active and, and participate in life as much as I can. And I've been lucky in that, and I hate that word lucky, actually. I've been very fortunate in that um, I've been physically sound. Uh, I was in really good shape going into this uh, process. I, um, I handled the, the medication very well for the time I was on chemo. And, um, and things stayed stable for me for a long time. So I, um, definitely outlived my prognosis. Um, I, I have had a good quality of life and, um, I'm pretty happy about all that. How has your perspective on life changed since you received the diagnosis? Well, I'd like to say I'm less curmudgeonly. Um, but, uh, you know, the truth is my perspective on life hasn't changed all that much since I was a teenager. Um, I think if anything, I'm a little more pragmatic now than I used to be, Uh, you know, and I, and I did have this sort of blanket belief built into my, uh, uh, worldview that no matter what happened, somehow the universe would take care of me. And, and I still had that sort of feeling going into my diagnosis. I'm like, you know, everything's going to work out. Something is going to happen. I'll discover something and whatever happens, happens. So, you know, it's just a, <coughs> we all die at some point. So I, I'm not afraid of, of death. It's never been a, uh, any kind of, um, guiding, issue for me. I know a lot of people who are terrified of it. And, um, and it doesn't, I mean, the idea of dying doesn't bother me so much. I, um, I, I, 
I don't see any uh, reason to get worked up about the fact that it's going to happen at some point. Don't want to die, but <clears throat> but I think the um, the way to approach life is just by living it, you know, by making the most of every day um, that I can and trying to recognize my limits and still try and contribute something in the process. And I, I, I do think um, that that, uh, that part, the desire to contribute something whenever I can, um, that's maybe developed quite a bit more since my diagnosis. <laughs> because I now, I now have um, sort of a, a kick in the butt to, uh, to make sure that my contribution is made and that it means something. And I was getting, in my youth, such as it was, uh, a little lazy about that. So I have contributed more uh, in many ways to, uh, to the causes I believe in, to, uh, to patient advocacy and, and um, trying to spread, you know, understanding of this particular disease quite a bit, <clears throat> but to try and help as many people in the process as I can who are going through it, um, it's become much more of a passion for me. And so my writing is a lot more directed now than it used to be. And I have much easier time sitting down and completing projects that I start than I used to. Doctors don't yet know how to cure metastatic cancer, but treatment can help manage the disease and extend a person's life. Every few months, scans are used to measure how the cancer is responding. If the cancer begins to grow again, the type of treatment is changed. After chemotherapy, Jeffrey tried a number of targeted therapies, but none of them worked on his type of cancer. There had been, um, there had been some substantial uh, progression uh, during that period of trying different um, targeted therapies that just, for whatever reason, missed the target with me. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but now now I'm on this great treatment. Um, I'm in this clinical trial. Uh, it's working super well. Or at least it was the first eight weeks. I'm, I'm going in tomorrow for another scan, so we'll see if it's still working. But the when I started, the uh, the tumor was huge. Uh, after four weeks, it was like a seventy five percent reduction in mm. in tumor size, and then after the next four weeks, it was like another 75% or something. I don't know how, how it would have figured exactly, but it was really small and it was clearly detaching from the side of the lung. Um, and, uh, and then the rest of the lung was the clearest I'd ever seen it since my diagnosis. And I've looked at all my scans um, all the way through. I have a nice uh, stack of CDs that if I ever really want to go back and do comparisons, um, although most of them look very similar to one another. Um, so this, this treatment started out uh, with with a gusto. It was just amazing, but it's been much harder to endure than anything else I've gone through. And it's a real question of um, balance between the you know the reward that you're getting and the uh, the difficulty of, of the treatment itself. And that's something that I've been really really considering lately. 
especially now that even though I've gone through several dose reductions and I've had a, I've had a short break at one point, um, I have to see what the scan shows tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be really good news, but uh, but I, I can't continue uh, putting my body through this. It's just really hard. So I have to figure have to figure out how that's going to balance out uh, for the next round of things. See how it goes. During our conversation, I asked Jeffrey his opinion on how society talks about cancer, as well as the stigma of lung cancer. Actually, I don't ever believe or uh, encourage people to use those war-based metaphors uh, for cancer. I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's mentally healthy to ascribe emotions or motivations to a disease, and especially to cancer, because cancer is actually a natural part of your body. It's not something foreign. It's something that is part of you. And it's just a defective part. But, um, but I find that the whole like fighter analogy, um, warrior analogy, I, I find all of that stuff actually leads, um, leads to some, negative ramification. For one, as an individual, I think people are like, why, you know, why am I fighting myself? And, um, you know, there are certain <clears throat> ways that that can be extrapolated. And, and I think that that would mostly be, you know, subconscious and whatever. But there's this idea, too, that, you know, you're, you're a great warrior, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting, and then suddenly you've lost the battle. And that makes you a loser, it makes you a failure. And while lots of people bend over backwards to say, you know, so-and-so lost their battle against cancer after a long and valiant fight, you know, whatever, uh, like they're mitigating the blame, it's still victim blaming at the, at the core. And I really am very passionate about fighting victim blaming uh, when it comes to disease, when it comes to anything that's got stigma associated with it. Because most of these stigmas that we have have a victim-blaming component that goes along with them, and that's part of the reason they're stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Mental health issues are constantly stigmatized, largely because the victim is being blamed for the problem. And cancer is no different. You know, it's, it's no surprise to me that when I was having my, <coughs> excuse me, my last lung biopsy, one of the nurses who had no reason to ask the question asked me if I was a smoker. And when I told her I wasn't, she then turned around and said, Oh my God, that's such a tragedy. Hmm. And I thought to myself, why was it more of a tragedy now than if I'd been a smoker? You know, what does, how is it less tragic or more tragic based on what my personal habits might've been? This is a disease I'm dealing with. Yeah. And, and I find it to be very, very sort of sad and offensive when you get into situations where there is so much victim blaming, where people make assumptions about these things, and then where they blame you, if you, whether they mean to or not, their language is blaming you 
for your, you know, for your, for your failures. And, um, so I don't, I don't use the term survivor. I don't use the term warrior. I don't use the term fighter. Um, as, as much as I can avoid these things, I mean, I know they're common vernacular. They're, they're really part of our, our current language and our current narrative, but I'm trying to change that. And I think that there are really good reasons to use different language to describe the patients and to describe the people involved uh, with treatment. Um, I've even had discussions uh, with people where the term caregiver comes up and, and it's found to be offensive for a number of reasons, which I think are very valid. Um, because that's not how people need to define themselves in a relationship. And there are caregivers. They're called nurses and doctors. You know, they're caregivers because that's their job. But the people that we live with who take care of us, unless it's like your mom or your dad who's taking care of a kid, really caregivers a, a, a dicey word, I think, for, for the situation that uh, people find themselves thrust into where they have to make the decision every day. Do I stay and do this job or do I take care of myself? You know, who's, who's then defining uh, these people uh, in a way that allows them to take care of themselves without feeling guilty about it, without having um, a stigma put on them because they want to have their own lives. And I think that this language really does matter because it kind of lends itself towards either making or breaking healthy relationships and, uh, and a healthy outlook on life. And while some people embrace them entirely and, you know, wear them, wear these words on shirts and, uh, you know, emblazon them across their forehead or on bumper stickers or whatever. Um, I just feel like there needs to be a broader discussion about all of this stuff that can help us to get past a lot of these stigmas and really focus on what's important, which is finding better treatments. Treatment for cancer continues to advance and more people are able to live with metastatic cancer longer than in years past. I think that's really important. I think people need to understand that um, stage four cancer is not necessarily a death sentence and that you can live well, at least relatively speaking, you can live, you can live a good life and, and a fulfilling life um, while you're dealing with uh, cancer, cancer treatment. So if there's a message that I ultimately want to send, I mean, that's a, it's really a big, big one right there. So, Quick, I, give me some lines. What do you want to hear? <laughs> what, how has this experience, having cancer how has it shifted how you view yourself or has it? Man, I think I'm awesome. Um, <laughs> I think you're awesome too. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. And it really depends on uh, situationally uh, where I'm framing that question from. Um, because every time I, every time I, I look at that question, which I have done many times, whether 
uh, you know, on purpose or inadvertently or whatever. <laughs> it's always um, it's always in a different context, and there's always a reason for it. I also look at myself, you know, and I see lots of different things going on all the time, and I try to weigh. the positive stuff as much as I can. And when I look at me, I look at, I try to look at the whole person. I'm a flawed individual, deeply flawed. Um, if you really want verification on that, you could, you could ask my wife uh, or my daughter, and I'm sure they will, I'm sure they will give you plenty of uh, corroborating um, data on that. But, um, but I think we're all flawed. And I think that for me to say that, uh, cancer has made me a better person um, is, is disingenuous. Um, it has made me a different person. And do I like the person I am? By and large, yes, I do. I'm fairly happy with the direction that I have come as a person. I am, I am glad that I've been able to use my platform as a patient advocate to positively impact other people's lives. And I'm also glad, from a selfish point of view, that my platform's been well received. You know, I, I like the uh, I like the response I get when people like my work. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an insecure artist at heart, I suppose, and I love to have a little bit of uh, validation for what I'm doing, and that's deeply important to me. Yeah. And um, you know, and on a personal level, but. On a, on a on a broader level, I'm I'm just <laughs> you know I'm glad that I'm here now still um, to witness what's going on with my my child and to be a part of her growth and development and hopefully leaving a a positive impression on her life and I'm glad that I'm here to spend time with my wife. Um, I wish it was less fraught with things related to cancer treatment. Um, not much way around that, sadly. Um, I'm glad I still have uh, my mother uh, in my life and that she is uh, still uh, a part of, of my experience and my sister and brother and their families. Um, I, you know, I'm glad to see their kids turning into these remarkable human beings uh, at the same time as mine. And I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed with um, my my joy. I guess I'm I'm not necessarily the best person at showing it, but uh, but sometimes I am a little over overcome by how great it is that I've been able to <laughs> witness as much as I as I have, considering what it seemed like I might uh, I might have as my uh, my limits. Uh, for that. And, um, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm impacting right now uh, a little bit of future science uh, through participation in this trial. I feel like that's actually validating a little bit of what I'm going through. Mm. And while it doesn't do much in terms of what I'm actually going through uh, sometimes, it's it does give me 
some solace in knowing that whether or not people remember my contribution, my contribution does mean something because I'm a part of this process that, that may end up saving and extending thousands of, not more, you know, lives down the, down the road. And, um, and that's, you know, that's pretty cool. Jeffrey spoke a little about his contribution. We at Health Union and the community at lungcancer.net recognize that he made a huge contribution. His writing, humor, and insights will continue to provide support and information for people on the site, and his presence is greatly missed. I am so grateful I had the opportunity to talk to Jeffrey. We covered even more ground in our interview, and some of that will be available in a bonus episode. If you or someone you know has lung cancer, join the conversation at lungcancer.net. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.